feeling like you've reached the end of Netflix? You're not alone, and unfortunately, there are more content challenges ahead for both the conventional networks and streaming services as the screen industries face travel restrictions and uncertain production schedules. On this episode of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, we invited legendary Canadian TV critic Bill Brio to talk isolation TV viewing and why the current situation might be both a wake-up call and an opportunity for Canadian networks to get with homegrown production in a more robust way. Bill and I pick up the conversation talking about Brio TV, the podcast, which he launched earlier this year. Yeah, it's been great conversations. Uh, really glad to have launched it then to have some momentum at this time. Um, and now, of course, we're all doing them remotely. I was going down to Humble and Fred have a studio on the lakeshore at Queensway, and that's where I was recording them, and I still use their producer there, Phil. But the last two or three have been done remote, and it seems to be working. And in fact, in some ways, I guess you have better access to people because they're at home. <laughs> so working out. I've had some great interviews in this period. Uh, well, I saw you got you got uh, Billy Campbell, didn't you? Yeah, that was fun. All the way to Norway, um, and I'd been up to uh, North Bay and Sudbury over the last four or five years talking to the cast, and they're just a wonderful group. I really like Campbell, very uh, warm and generous guy, and uh, Karin uh, Vanas and. Uh, the crew, you know, the, the real tight together bunch. I think being in North Bay cooked them a bit, you know. They really love that place. So um, I was very, very lucky to have a visit there, a couple of them. So, Bill, for those who don't know you, let's talk about where your career started. Oh, it started at a 10,000-watt radio station in, what was it that uh, <laughs> Ted Baxter used to say at Mary Tyler Moore? Uh, I've been covering TV for many years. I started at TV Guide. People remember TV Guide was a little magazine. It was at every checkout, uh, you know, when you got your groceries. And at one time was the the biggest selling magazine in Canada and the United States. So I uh, stumbled into there in the early 80s, believe it or not, and um, kind of got into this through the back door. I was in the art department. I ended up photo editor and going down to LA for a couple of years and writing about TV there. And um, and then after that, I was there about 13 years, uh, freelance for a couple, then went to the Toronto Sun, was their TV columnist for eight years. Lately, I've been the last uh, 12, 14 years writing uh, for the Canadian press. I did that on a weekly basis for most of those years. And uh, just other places, Toronto Sun, a Toronto Star, uh, magazines. So covering TV for a long, long time. I wanted to have you on the podcast to talk about pandemic viewing habits because it's been interesting to watch this boon for conventional television unfold. We're now seeing a bit of a drop-off in prime time. But let's talk about who the winners have been in all of this. Well, I think newscasts in particular, uh, there's a, been an enormous surge in news interest, of course. And um, that's been dramatic. The CTV weekend news and evening news and uh, really, I think one week they had seven different newscasts in the top 30. So that's been a, a really 
robust surge that's ongoing. And now, as you say, we're seeing a drop off. I really think this is we're ending, entering a transitional time. It's the time of year when people watch a bit less TV. The weather's nicer. It's summer. Uh, all of the big blockbuster imports are ending their season. Some of them ended early because they didn't get all their episodes finished. So broadcaster like Global, which relies heavily on FBI and 911 and NCIS, a lot of those kinds of hour-long dramas, they're all gone. And uh, the summer lineups that the networks have posted now, you know, City TV and Rogers and uh, Chorus, of course, and um, CTV, are very slender, slim pickings this summer. It used to be more robust. You'd see uh, the return of the number one show in Canada, the uh, the Amazing Race Canada, for, for the last seven years. That's been a dominant show, $2 million a week. It's gone because they couldn't shoot it, obviously. It usually shoots this month of May, and it premieres in July, but it's not available. Um, a lot of other things, too, that normally might run in uh, the summer months, CBS and ABC and Fox, they're holding till the fall because they don't know if they'll have any shows. So if they've got anything in the can, they're holding back some of the stuff that uh, CTV, for example, likely would have simulcast the original Amazing Race now, but uh, CBS has decided to hold it back till the fall. So we're going to hit a wall in broadcast very, very soon if we haven't already. And now, of course, uh, viewers have so many options with Netflix Amazon Prime, Disney is a, a very popular service now, CBS All Access, and now HBO uh, Max, which will not premiere in Canada, but premieres in the United States this month. So let's talk more about The Wall. I want to get to that in a minute. But I, I was surprised this week to see Global and City TV release highlights of their summer lineup. They're really reality-based. And that's going to be the last reality content for some time to come. When when do you think Canadians are going to really notice that that you know we've we've got a we've got some content challenges happening? Well, if they haven't noticed already, they'll notice next week. I think that it's starting, and we're seeing how slim the offerings are. You know, yes, there's some reality shows that are coming back, more Bachelor kind of shows on City. Uh, and there's a lot of shows, people playing mini golf and jumping and running, gladiator kind of fair. You know, I don't know if mini golf is going to be a big raging trend this summer in Canada on television. I don't think so. Also returning our game shows, match game to tell the truth. Shows that have been rebooted in the, in the last four or five years. What the networks will have to do all summer is experiment and tweak and, and draw from other places. I think we're seeing with uh, CTV, they're reaching into the vault and looking for music offerings. Uh, we're seeing great documentaries like the one on uh, the band with Robbie Robertson. They've already played that on some of their platforms, and it's coming in a day or two to the main network. David Foster, another one. I think you're going to see a lot of musical shows, anything they can get their hands on in that uh genre I think we'll be seeing this summer. We had news last week that NBC is picking up CTV original series Transplant. Do you think we'll see more of our domestic content picked up internationally as this uncertain production environment continues? Yeah, I think we will, Connie. I think that Transplant's a great example. 
uh, that show, I think the last Canada top 30, I saw top 1.7 million. And I think this uh, week is the finale or, or we, we may have just seen it in Canada. NBC, you know, there's a show that they can drop right into their fall schedule. There's 13 episodes, 13 weeks. It was a nice big order in Canada. So it was a lot easier to sell. Uh, you know, Cardinal only has six episodes a season. Of course, they have 24 episodes now. But a lot of those shows, Canadian shows, have other deals. You know, Kim's Convenience and Working Moms. They show on Netflix. Uh, so it's not so easy just to pluck or cherry pick everything. But certainly we're seeing on the CW, they uh, picked up Coroner from CBC. And that's two seasons, two 10-episode seasons, I think. And that plugs a big hole in September, October, November, December for an American network. And and some of those networks are already declaring that they won't really start their seasons until January. Uh, so that gives them a, a summer months of Canadian content to come. Do you think the networks and the streaming services, for that matter, have capitalized on this captive audience? Obviously, there have been some viewing records that have been set notably uh, Stronger Together to Ensemble, uh, which drew 12 million Canadians. It's now the most watched non-sports TV event of all time. Have the the networks risen to the occasion here? Yes and no. I'm going to challenge the Stronger Together numbers. Really, it was uh, networks like to promote reach sometimes, which is um, a sign of desperate times. So I'm going to say it, it drew just under 6 million in terms of average minute audience. It was on every channel. So you couldn't really watch anything else then anyway. There was nothing on a sports channel, certainly. But uh, 6 million is still a big, impressive number and hats off to them. And uh, I think there's diminishing returns to these, though. We're seeing a lot of these celebrities at home playing guitar things. We're seeing them every time we open a browser. And uh, it is fun to see Burton Cummings sitting in his uh, living room with his keyboard playing. I, you know, some of us, if it's, it's your band, you can't get enough of that. But I do think that we're approaching uh, sort of the saturation point on, on some of that kind of showing. We're going to see more of it for sure. And people are always fascinated by celebrities. And people are even more fascinated with celebrities without makeup. So I think we'll see more of it for sure. But I do think that that's going to run out of fascination too. CBC Gem has come out with numbers indicating a 43% increase month over month in March. Do you think this kind of engagement level can be sustained, not just with Gem, but across the board? You know, I think that CBC Gem is, it is a gem and it's sort of a, or was an undiscovered frontier and they've just launched some great stuff. They've got some great documentaries, some comedies. Hey Lady with Jane Eastwood is hilarious. Their short shows, that one is like five or six minutes per episode. So it's easy to digest. There's some great documentaries. There's one uh, last night they had uh, on influence, on PR influence that's going to air, that did air on CBC Gem. I think that the struggle for CBC is their main network. Uh, some of their viewers may have migrated to GEM now that they've seen it, but if you look at the broadcast channel, the main network, numbers are uh, not very robust in this time of isolation, and certainly they have uh, great challenges. I mean, imagine you used to show 
Stanley Cup hockey playoffs on Saturday, even though it was a Roger broadcast, but it was on the CBC main network. So three months of big audiences where you promote your shows gone. And then the Olympics, they were, you know, the thousand hours of Olympic coverage gone later this summer. So I do feel uh, for the folks at CBC, they're really up against it in terms of content. And uh, their only good news is that they do have CBC Gem and some shows that people have not yet discovered. And I think you'll see more of those migrate to the main network. Well, I mean, TSN's called Bar Down Up to the to the main network, which which is interesting. I've I've been wondering if we'll see more digital content yeah. make its way, uh, you know, to the, to network conventional television. Any thoughts on how the Canadian industry proceeds, particularly if the border remains closed? Yeah, that's a challenge. I mean, you know, this last week was the week all the show buyers would head for the Hollywood screenings, and they can't even. There's nothing to screen, and they can't go down. Uh, we're all doing things like this now, remote, digital meetings. That's how things will be screened. So there's ways around that. But, yeah, it's um, it, it's a strange times for an industry, and especially at the private networks, that has such a reliance on imported shows. I think the times have kind of caught up with the Canadian broadcasters in that regard, in that, you got to get with domestic production in a more robust way so that you're ready in case something like this happens. When we do reach this place where we're all going to, you know, be looking for more content, are there any, you know, sort of shows that you don't think have gotten their due that Canadians should be looking for, domestic or otherwise? That's a good question. I think that uh, what I fear will happen is that a lot of Canadians will look at the broadcasters and go, well, I've seen all of that. I guess I will finally subscribe to Amazon Prime Video or whatever, where I can watch things on demand when I want them. And uh, I know you can do that with broadcasters now as as well. You know, and it may be folks have already found they've gotten to the end of Netflix. You know, it's like the joke, we finally got to the end of the internet. <laughs> you know, so, and even though there's like five or hundred or, it's still not enough. If you've seen all the comedy specials or all the originals that, that you wanted to see. So everybody will have to get in line. If you haven't seen Afterlife with Ricky Gervais on Netflix yet, you're going to probably watch it now. Fleabag on Amazon or whatever it is. If you're not caught up on the what we used to call water cooler shows, probably where you're going to poach next. Um, because I think people, unless you really are into mini golf on television, you're going to start to get tired of that. <laughs> Do you think the networks are going to start getting creative? Well, this will be the time when we'll see who can get creative. I think that there certainly would be answers to a lot of this. I think you could do this hour is 22 minutes remotely from home. Just as Saturday Night Live has proved with their year-end broadcasts that their cast doing skits at home sketches can work generally. And I don't see why you couldn't do that with uh, This Hour or Baroness Von Sketch Show. Although Baroness has already shot their fifth and final season, so that's in the can for CBC. Uh, by the way, they're having their fall launch remotely next week. That's going to be very interesting to see what they'll pre present. They do have a couple of brand new shows that they're announcing. Whether or not they'll be able to go into production, who knows? And they don't generally start their season till. January anyway. So 
the challenge is there to get creative. Uh, there's some daytime talk shows I see on uh, CTV uh, and City where they're going to go back. You know, we might see Marilyn Dennis at home more, things like that. Just like the late night talk shows have also been a great blueprint going forward, the way they've responded to isolation and still booking guests and still uh, creating memorable shows. I think Canadians can absolutely do it that way as well. might be a great thing for Canada because it should be cheaper. And Canada is a place where doing uh, television on a Canadian dime, we, we've done it. We can do it. We've shown we can do it. So who knows? That might actually turn out to be a plus. Is there any content in particular that's come out during this period that you've, you've thought really took advantage of you know what's been happening? And what have you been watching, Bill? Well, yeah, I think, as I just mentioned, the late night talk shows, they'd already kind of migrated to a place where people watch them online the next morning at breakfast. You'd watch five minutes of Jimmy Kimmel. You'd watch five minutes of Colbert. Now there's shows from home or even more designed that way. They're uh, so low key. They're dressed down and they're doing shtick from their garage or their kitchen table or standing outside their house like Bill Maher. I think some of their best shows, it's almost reinvigorated them, this challenge to come up and, and put on a show without a studio audience, which affects late night TV more than anybody. I like the way Bill Maher shows clips from the 50s of audiences clapping or laughing at his jokes. So there's all kinds of ways. So yeah, I've, I've kind of come back to watching more late night, uh, although I'm watching it during the daytime. <laughs> and uh, uh, I think that that area is is coming back. The fascinating thing for me is what will happen in sports. I know that the Michael Jordan documentary series that's shown on Netflix here, it's on ESPN in the U.S., that's been huge. People are craving some kind of sports coverage, and that was new content, even though it's, it all happened uh, 25 years ago. But I'm wondering about the lasting impact on uh, sports. Have people heard enough of uh, sports commentators now talking about which leaf has uh, the nicest cottage uh, or the best golf handicap. I mean, they are desperately running out of things to talk about, and they're rerunning a lot of games. If I see the 1999 Montreal Canadian-Boston Bruin games one more time, so that's, that's really an area that was so robust in Canada, TSN, Sportsnet. They often would be the number two show in Canada that night, and uh, now they're drawing almost no one. And, and uh, where they can go with that, given how the, the professional sport rollout may be delayed and, and really weird, you know, playing games in one arena in front of no viewers, um, that's going to be one to watch. We've had a few layoffs in television, but, but not to the extent that you, you'd think we might. Do, do you think there's going to come a time when some places are, are just going to say, you know, we can't wait this out. Well, we'll see, Connie. I know, you know, right now, Stratford Festival is before people in Ottawa uh, making their case to have some support. Uh, we're talking millions of dollars. They're trying to raise money and they're looking for $8 million more from the government. They've canceled their entire season. They can argue that they bring $150 million in tourism money to uh, that region, that 25% of their audience is American who can't cross the border. Broadcasters as well are, are, are looking for relief in Canada Media Fund, Telefilm. They've already been asked by Heritage Canada 
to distribute, I think it's around 130, 100, it might be wrong on my numbers here, but some immediate relief money, some emergency money to help folks not downsize everyone to uh, retain staff to bridge the, the pandemic. So we'll see uh, how many are able to take advantage of that. But certainly, you know, a show like Murdoch Mysteries is a very popular show, over a million viewers a week. It's on, been ordered a 14th season. This would normally happen in the fall. But, uh, you know, Yannick Besson's still down in L.A. waiting and riding his bike. Peter Mitchell, the showrunner, has got to figure out how do we make a show and when can we go back. When they do go back, are they going to see an hour-long episode of Inspector Murdoch in jail by himself? Uh, you know, how do they do it? And will it mean delaying the premiere, the return of that show till January or even further back? And does that disrupt loyal viewing patterns that have been going on for a dozen years when people don't, it's not there when they expect it. And so they discover other things and you, you're probably going to lose 10 or 20% of your audience. So some tremendous challenges ahead for sure. Do you have any thoughts you want to close on, Bill? <laughs> I should, something a little cheerier, I think, right? I mean, I do think this is a great opportunity for Canada in, in, in Canada, very creative place. The production communities here are as good as you'll find anywhere. It's just that we had this great flourishing for the last several years, coast to coast. People have seen white trucks on their streets from Vancouver to St. John's. And, you know, you literally, there were building studios to try and keep up with the demand, converting more old warehouses. So I do worry for the folks who are in those positions, unless they do figure out creatively how to keep people busy and, and making content on that level. But as I said, Canadians can do it and have done it. And uh, I think we're going to see some creative storytelling. And in the United States, too, everybody's in the same boat worldwide. Unless you want to just make your show in Greenland right now, I think, which is open, you can't roll a camera. And uh, that's the big challenge. How do they get around that? Thanks so much for joining us, Bill. My pleasure, Connie. I, I appreciate being asked. Our thanks to Bill Brio. You can check out his long-running TV blog at brio.tv. For Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, I'm Connie Teeson. Thanks for listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.